0: Welcome to the Lost Then Found podcast. This is a space where we will discuss life, share truth, and gain an encouraging perspective, no matter our season or our circumstances. I'm your host, China Vogel, and this is a peek into my journey of being lost then found. and welcome to the Lost Then Found podcast. As you guessed it, this is your host, China Vogel, and I am so glad you are here, and I am here. How cool. You know, we had some sickness hit our home over the last few weeks here, and I was just literally sick and tired. Sick and tired, uh, just a lot of it. I took some um, not-planned naps, and I rested, Uh, took care of my family, and we are on the men. But I missed you, and I'm glad to be back as we are diving into our week three of our Thrive series. Over the last few weeks, we have identified that there are different kinds of soil, and we had looked at the parable of the seed to really look at how important the type of soil is to see how things will grow. And our last episode, if you didn't catch it, was really... word of encouragement because I think when we can take the time to assess our soil condition uh, and if we realize that oh man I really don't have good soil or I don't have the soil that I want to have friend you're not alone in that and the good news is is that God wants to develop and mature you he's not going to leave you there and he desires to give you good soil So I believe God gave an encouraging word through last week. So if you didn't catch it, you can go back and listen. Uh, But as we've been looking at the condition of the soil of our hearts, I think it's important to look at what is getting planted in the soil as well. So we are sticking to that kind of thought pattern that to grow good things, we need good soil, we need good seed, and therefore good things will grow. And we want to grow good things, right? I mean, let's establish that from the get-go. I think we can all identify and say, well, I don't want to grow bad things. Or maybe even a step further down the path and say, no, I I do want to grow good things. Maybe you want to grow good things in your mothering. Or maybe you want to grow good things in your finances. Or maybe you want to grow a good marriage or a good career. But whatever it is, I can totally identify With the feeling and the question that comes up ultimately of like, oh, how do I do that? (laughs) Like I totally get that. And sometimes we can feel a little lost in it all. And a phrase that I have heard a lot over the last few years is this. And it says that your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. That's from Craig Groeschel. So your life is going to be moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts thoughts. So what does that mean? Well, it means that your thoughts matter. Do they really matter? Yes. Yes, they do. And thoughts, if you didn't know, can function actually a lot like seeds. So they start small, uh, seemingly not much, but as time goes on and given the right conditions, they will grow just like, you know, seeds do. And those uh, thoughts, you know, the ones that we foster, the ones that we give attention to, the ones that we think about a lot, um, the ones that we're like, you know what, that's right, can really impact the trajectory of your life. And sometimes, uh, you know, it blows my mind when we learn stuff and it's like, oh, well, that makes sense. I guess that's logical. But I just had this revelation about weeds so weeds in a garden—they're not good. If you know anything uh, about—I mean, I guess landscaping. Period. Like weeds is not weeds are not good, right? It's not a good term. Uh, they're they're similar in the sense that they are a plant. They start from a seed, just like vegetables and flowers and herbs do, and trees. And they they're all um, in soil. They grow, and they develop generally some sort of leaf and some sort of flower, maybe a fruit. And like that's, that's what all plants do, right? But they may look the same as a seed. They may look the same even as they're developing, but they can have wildly different effects on its environment, depending on what type of plant that is. And so weeds, you know, they're defined, the difference there is that they're defined as plants, so they're still a part of, obviously, the plant family, but they are competitive, they're persistent, they're uh, kind of weasel their way in, and they interfere negatively with the environment or the intended environment that's being set up. So I plant my garden at home, and I want vegetables, and I want herbs, and I want um, flowers, and all these really great things. Well, if weeds start to creep in, that's going to hinder what, I'm trying to create in that environment right and so weeds are very very different you know like I said they can look the same but trust me they are very very different in the type of things that they produce so instead of beautiful flowers that smell amazing you have weeds that actually can affect your quality of what you're trying to grow instead of vegetables that are good and nutritious. They can weeds actually serve as a host for disease, which is not good. Instead of herbs, which help add flavor to dishes and can be really good, like home remedies for things, uh, it actually weeds end up providing shelter for um, pests uh, over the winter. And instead of fruit that is generally sweet and delicious, weeds on the other hand produce chemical substances that are toxic not only to plants but to animals and to humans. So they may look similar, they may act similar, they may even smell like each other, but they are very, very different in what they produce. And as I was doing my yearly reading plan, I came across this passage in Genesis. And this uh, chunk of scripture kind of struck me as I've been in this whole mindset about growing things, right? And so for us today, we're starting at the beginning, like in Genesis. So we're kicking off, where uh, Genesis 1, God has created everything in those seven days. He's um, made Adam and he's given Adam his first job of managing the garden. And that job, in that job, God gave him one boundary line. And so in Genesis 2 verse 17, it says, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So take care of this garden, eat from wherever you want to, but don't touch that one. Don't eat from it. Okay, got it, right? And then we head into chapter three, and it dives right into the serpent, so Satan, and he's approaching Eve to have a conversation. So verse one, chapter three of Genesis says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from fruit uh, that comes from the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then their eyes were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And so Satan, he did a few things in this conversation. So first off, this whole story is set up that he, uh, as the serpent, as the devil, approached Eve. She didn't have to go out and look for him. She wasn't, I don't believe, was trying to get um, into mischief. I think the enemy came to her doorstep. And in this conversation, he posed a few questions to Eve. Did God really say that? And then he questions what the rules were and what God had said, and then kind of makes this, you know, contradiction. He said, God didn't, you know, that's not actually what's going to happen. God's a liar is basically what he's implying there and saying, you surely won't die. And something to note here is that he did have partial truths in there, like, hey, your eyes will be opened. That's that's true. That did come out of that. But the picture was not full and it was twisted and manipulated from what, the truth was, not just what was true. There was threads of true things in there, but there wasn't, it's not truth, right? And so we'll come back to that in a second here. But the enemy, right, he was offering Eve something that was attractive. He was offering her something that felt good and something that probably um, made it desirable in her heart because it felt like, why am I not supposed to have that? (laughs) And in reality, she ate from it. And as God put it, you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. You may not touch it or you will die. So what did she do? She she ate from it, right? Um, she didn't stop there and <laughs> just consuming it herself. She spread it and she shared it with Adam. And then to start off with, she entertained a conversation to begin with. She allowed herself, and I believe naively, to enter into a conversation with the very enemy that was out to attack her. And this is what happens for us when we um, allow bad seed to, have, to take root. So it gets in there, it starts to grow roots, we give it attention, we think about it, we say, you know what, I think some of that's right, we water it, and eventually it starts steering the ship. Just like our that phrase from from earlier, that quote, That, hey, your strongest thoughts are going to be directing your life. That's so true. And it can define uh, not only our thoughts, but it starts to impact our identity, what we believe about ourselves. It impacts our actions that come out of who we believe we are, who we believe other people are. And I believe that it can make us blind to the truth that is around us and right in front of us. It can cause us to stumble And uh, to fall into miss out on what God has really intended for us in life. And it can cause us to have death, right? So God said, hey, you do that. There's going to be a death for you. And I believe that we still experience that death. That's the cost of sin is that there's death attached to it. Like there's not life giving things. So even though even Adam didn't have a physical death, I believe there was a cost, right? There was a death that came out of that. And I think for us, it's the same that we have um, death in areas of our life that instead of having this like, man, my God's a renewing God. My God can build these things. Like it's just like death and destruction (laughs) when we allow those seeds to grow. And I'm sure that it looked good what Satan was offering, that it was tempting. But in the end, it led to sin entering the world. And that's how we experience the world we have today. There's brokenness, there's sin, there's pain, suffering. All of this came from Eve accepting the seed that was given and she partnered with it. She said, yeah, I'll take a bite of that. I'll consume that. I'll let that um, enter into my heart and into my body and affect all the parts, right? Think of that passage where it talks about how a little bit of yeast uh, mixes through the whole batch, like you can't just have a nibble and it not affect the other parts cuz you're a whole body, right? And i believe it's that way with bad seed. And so, while there is sin that's a part of our broken world and that there is bad seed and it exists, we the good news is that we've been given tools to combat uh, this seed from uh, even coming in, but then if it's existent like if we've missed it and it's we have weeds growing, that the Lord's been able to give us tools that are going to provide us victory over the sin. And for you, maybe it looks like you have bad seeds that are around beliefs about who you are. And maybe you have beliefs around who other people are, or maybe even a layer deeper than that, maybe you have some bad seeds of belief about God. And maybe like me, you have had maybe struggled even to define what is good and what is bad I know I have found myself here almost arguing right like with yourself saying well it's true well it's true that you know I'm a bad mom or it's true that I have failed it's true that people don't care about me and that they don't value me or it's true because of insert whatever But, as a friend said to me recently, there's a difference, there's a difference, you need to hear this, between true and truth. Let me say it again, because it's actually very powerful if you can grab a hold of it, especially if you struggle in that same way that I do, where the well it's true statements are like loud, and you can't resolve that maybe. But there is a difference between true and truth. And it might be true that you aren't doing great in an area. And it might be true that others aren't meeting your expectations. Or it might be true that this thing is screwed up, right? But that the, the true is very different from the truth. What's the truth? Well, what does God say? That's the truth, right? That's like the final say what does God say about me that should be the final say and I think so often we can very easily dismiss or just not even pay attention to our thoughts and our little offenses and think this isn't that bad it's not like I'm like this person it's not like I'm I'm not hurting anyone or it's easy for me to like maybe catch that thing out of the corner of my eye and like I'm gonna let myself be distracted over here, right? And it'll go away, right? Not so much. <laughs> because these things, these thoughts, those standards aren't our gauge, right? Like how other people live and do things isn't our standard, right? And how other people conduct themselves or even even what we say shouldn't actually be like the final say on what's right and wrong. If you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then there has been a transaction. Like He bought, He already paid for us, it's just us saying, okay, I, I'm a part of this and I'm gonna agree to it. And what happens is we transfer Lordship. It's not that we become Lord, right? It's not like, well, I'm putting away the stuff I don't want, but I'm still gonna be in charge, no. There's a transfer of ownership from our flesh and our sin to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So I go back to my my statement and I stand on it that even we don't base our actions and what we think is right off of what other people do. And we don't even like trust ourselves. Like we're not the final say, but what is the final say? The word of God, ding, ding, ding. There it is, right? Like the word of God, the Bible, that's actually the place that is our standard. It's the only book in all of the world that is living. It is active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword, right? It's able to separate joint and marrow. That's our standard. And it shows us how to live like 2 Timothy 3.16 says. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. And it is useful for instructing, for convicting, for correcting, training in righteousness so that the person of God may be complete or fully equipped for every good work. And that word of God, man, it's your handbook. Like it's the bar. And the beauty about it is that as you read it, it corrects you, right? It does the work. It reveals the bad seed. If you do the work and spend time in it, it will work on you. And it'll reveal those things. It'll say, You'll read something and you'll be like, oh, wait a second. That's not how I do things, right? When you read it to understand and because you want to stem, I believe the Holy Spirit breathes on that and will reveal, you know, these things in scripture that it's like, oh, I need that. Oh, I need to correct myself there. Oh, I need to adjust with how I'm parenting here. It instructs you on what is right and what is good. And it's for your benefit on how to live a righteous life. It's there to train you. And the word of God, you know, in our illustration, I was kind of thinking through like, okay, we're talking about weeds, we're talking about bad seeds. And the reality is, is that the word of God could be a lot of different things. It's like water where you can water with it, good seeds, right? It can also be kind of like your tool for weeding. It helps to identify, oh, that's not good. And that's going to help me pry this thing up. And show me what to replace it with. And good seed, you know, is also in there, right? Like the word of God can be good seed that you're planting good things in the soil of your heart. So be in the word. And I heard it, you know, kind of phrase something like this recently where, you know, you can't fight a battle if you don't pick up your sword. And our Bibles, they're not going to get in our brains by sitting on a shelf. And it's not like by osmosis, like you just like, it's in your home somewhere and so like, therefore your are holy, go up 10, 10, points. Like that's not, that's not how it works, right? No, we have to open it. We have to read it and you can do it and I can do it. And let me say it again. You can do it. You can do it. You can read the word of God. You can make that a discipline. And as we read it, we are transformed. Romans 12, two says it, that it says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. We can be transformed. We can be changed. We can have new soil and good seed, right? By being transformed through the renewing of our mind, which comes from being in the word of God, like on repeat, We have to let it convict us and train us by letting it lead us. And I think the enemy, he is always going to be scattering seed. He's always going to be tossing out doubts and questions and kind of these little like bait. He's going to put those things out there. In 1 Peter 5, the Lord's instructing us. He says, be sober minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So resist him, standing firm in your faith and in the knowledge that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore you. He'll secure you. He'll strengthen you and he'll establish you. And that's a good promise. Like he's good to his word there. He will restore you. He will secure you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to establish you. But you need to resist the enemy and stand firm. You need the knowledge that, hey, like you're not in it alone. You're not in it because Jesus is with you. Hey, if you're a follower of Christ and you're like struggling through that, like, man, I do what I don't want to do. I have sin. I I want to to live a certain way. And I'm like, my life doesn't measure up, right? My life's not where I want it to be, you need to find encouragement in the fact that there are people who understand. And I would go as far as to say, I may not understand every detail of your situation, but I am a sinner just the same as you are. And I understand this struggle. I just had two, two conversations this past weekend where there's, there's some areas where maybe I feel like isolated or like I'm kind of like have my backpack on and I'm walking alone a little bit. And I'm talking to these two people, two of my friends and uh, two separate conversations, like apart from each other. And I left feeling the similar thing. And that's when I got to share part of who I am and what I'm going through, that I found somebody on the other side who understood and who actually like our lives may look different and we may have different tasks and different things. But as a follower of Christ, there's some very similar things. And it was so encouraging to me to know like, oh, I'm not alone in that. There are other people who understand. And friend, I don't know your circumstance, but I know the struggle. So if this is your struggle, I see you and I understand it. And so I would encourage you, you need to find that. Like you need to get around other believers and be transparent enough to actually share what's going on. Um, because it does something so good for our soul to share, to be seen and to see other people and to find like common ground in that. So getting back as we got off on a soapbox there, but first Peter, he's going to strengthen you. He's going to secure you. And you need to remember like, Hey, you have to resist the enemy. You have to stand firm in the faith that you have and like be encouraged because you're not alone. And we have to be alert, right? We have to be sober minded. Why? I mean, it said it, right? We have an enemy who is just looking for someone who's weak, who's looking for someone who's like an easy target. And that's not like a childhood story. And I don't say that to scare you, but the devil is very real and our spiritual warfare is very real. And we need to not downplay what's going on in our mind because that's the battleground. Like that's where we fight the majority of this because what we believe, the strongest thoughts we have, dictate the course of our life. If that's not where the enemy would want to undermine and cut your legs out from underneath you by planning these, you know, I just don't think that great of myself or whatever. That carries far more weight than the enemy wants you to believe. But God, he still promises in the face of that saying, hey, remember, be sober. You have an enemy, but I'm going to take care of you through it all. And you know, if you didn't know this, scientists have actually discovered that we can actually literally rewire the pathways in our brain that are like neurological, right? They regulate our emotions, our thoughts, our reactions. And this means that we can make new paths, right? We can rewrite them. And that can lead us to more compassion, to more gratitude to more joy and that can be instead of anxiety or fear or anger that sounds like a lot of developing a good seed right and putting a halt to the bad seed we're stopping anxiety we're stopping fear we're stopping anger but instead we're watering the seeds that grow compassion and gratitude and joy those are fruits of the spirit right and it takes work and it takes intentionality, and it takes time. But you need to ruthlessly identify, take time to identify the bad seeds, the lies that have been placed there, the unhelpful thoughts, and replace them with good, wholesome truth, not true, but truth, and the life-giving things, the life-giving thoughts. Scripture says in Philippians 4, 8, that whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And we dwell on the truth, not just what is true. And those things are, are truth, right? So how do we combat bad seed? We do the work. We read the word of God so it can do the work in us. We do the work in the Word of God so it can do the work in us. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can identify bad seed. We can uh, help pull it out with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can replace it with the truth that's found in God's Word. And as you do that repeatedly over time, just as we hit on a moment ago, those neurological pathways will get stronger with repetition until that behavior is a new normal so friend you can have a new normal like you can have new thoughts you can have new paths you can have new tendencies that blows my mind that you know i think so often we can be like well this was just the way i was raised or this is you know just what life has dealt me or these are what the circumstances created well Yes, but at the same time, you have a living, breathing God who has promised you new life. You don't have to to live according to the flesh or to the old life or according to the law anymore. No, he died and we died with him to have something new. We're raised with Christ. So you can have a different life. (laughs) You can have different thoughts. You can have really good things growing in your garden. You can have good things growing. It doesn't have to be this way. And the Lord will equip you. If you are feeling uh, empowered, convicted, um, compelled to do something, that's the Holy Spirit. And if he's prompting you to do something about it, he's going to prompt you on what to do next. And he's going to lead you through to completion. So friend, we identify the bad seed and we pull it out and we replace it with the truth of God's word over and over again until we create new normals, till we create new pathways. And that is how we create a garden that is beautiful, that we create things that are growing, that we want to be growing there by being kind of a gardener of our own heart, right? And God, I thank you that you are, man, the master gardener. (laughs) You are the one who, um, man, by by your hand, you know when to prune things. You know when to plant things. You know when to water. You know when to cultivate. You know when to encourage. And I just pray that this word would be an encouraging word to someone, that this would bless someone, and that it would speak right to the heart man if they're feeling overwhelmed by the weight of their sin overwhelmed by the weight of man I've been this way so long I don't know how to be any other way Lord I pray that they would know that they're seen and that they're understood by, by me and by far more than me that we all struggle but God that you are available to us and your power and the new life that is found in you is available to us and so we can have hope But no, my God will carry me through. My God will help me to cut some of these things out. He'll show me what to do. He'll give me practical things to do. Because he loves me and he's for me. So God, we just offer our lives up to you. (laughs) You can have access. You can do whatever you want to do. we give you permission and you have our submission we love you and God let us be for your glory in Jesus name amen oh friend i pray that this has been an encouragement to you that's that's my heart is that you know as i share just out of my own real life experiences a lot of this is real life experience for me but as i share just where i've been i believe that there is something about us sharing our testimonies that can encourage and uplift and empower and spur on one another. That finding, hey, no, you know, somebody else sees me and understands what I'm going through can be so encouraging and nurturing to our soul. And I would argue that we need it. We need care and empathy and to be seen in our souls. <laughs> so I see you. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm praying for you this week go and be blessed. And we will see you next week for part four of Thrive. Love you.